Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, asking for your help during this Lenten and Easter season. Support from our listeners is vital and allows us to bring you and many others high-quality spiritual programs like the one you are listening to now. It also assists us in our outreach to areas around the globe, touching literally millions of souls via the World Wide Web. Our highly rated free Discerning Hearts app allows you to access over a thousand audio files as well as video content now available on our expanding YouTube channel. We've been able to offer online spiritual seminar retreats with Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essef, and Deacon James Keating. The heart of our mission is to help foster authentic spiritual formation for the seeking soul so they can fully encounter the living Christ and share in his mission of healing hearts and spreading the good news to the world. Please, won't you help us to continue this important work of evangelization by donating today to DiscerningHearts.com. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you as always. I'm excited. This is such a great time of year, even though at this point we're in Lent, we're heading towards the Easter season. And with that, it's a resurrection. It's filled with hope. And we, as a archdiocese, have been on a journey, a journey of faith. And this particular time and this particular period we are entering into wonderful new opportunities and experiences, aren't we? Yeah, I think you're right. I really feel like we're beginning a new chapter of Catholic life in our archdiocese. We've been on the journey of faith for over a year. Of course, we're always on a journey. As you said, we know we're, now we're journeying towards Easter. We're always on our way to a deeper relationship with the Lord, a deeper experience of the kingdom of God right here. But in particular, at this time in our archdiocese, our priests and all of our clergy and laity of have embarked on this on this journey. It might be good to kind of talk about where we've come so far. So we began meeting a year and a half or so ago with, with our priests to talk about our current reality, some of the challenges that we face, and some of the trends that we've experienced in the church over the last decades, really, 40 or 50 years. And, you know, we noted a shift in population, growth in our urban areas, and fewer people in many rural communities. We noticed this fewer priests, and we have kind of projections over the next 10 or 15 years for what we might expect there. And we also see, to our sadness, but it's important to see it, that the participation for Catholics in the life of the church has been declining over time. So we're seeing fewer people in our parish communities for Mass, for the sacraments, for other activities. At the same time, our schools remain strong, and enrollment is strong in our, in our Catholic schools. And we see some really hopeful signs 
of life among young people, college-age students, young adults. It's a smaller number, perhaps, that would have been involved 20 or 30 years ago, but those who were involved in the faith are really involved and really very zealous, prayerful, uh, active in, in a lot of ways. So as always, it's a, sort of a mixed a mixed reality, but uh, the Second Vatican Council encourages us to, to read and acknowledge the signs of the times and to present the light of the gospel in the world that we're living in, not some other world. So we realize that, that many of our structures, parish structures, uh, the way we assign priests, the times and places of masses and other sacraments, that much of that was designed for a different reality, not totally different, but in some ways significantly different from, from what we experience now. So we invited our parishes to come together in families, parishes we're calling them, so that every parish is working with at least one other parish, some with a number of others, to think about how best to use the resources we have, and then also how to respond to the Lord's great commission, which is still ringing in our ears in our time to take the light of the gospel out and to share the good news with as many people as we possibly can. We need to take care of ourselves and we need to nurture the faith within ourselves and in the parish community, but we also exist for the sanctification of the neighborhoods, the communities, the world around us outside the doors of, of the church. Our pastors and parish leaders have been working hard over the last year to complete a planning template, talk about how we deal structurally with the current reality, and we shared the information about those plans with our parishioners during January and February. We're in an implementation phase now for those things. Uh, many of the, of the changes that people will experience in their parishes will go into effect this summer. Some will take a little longer, depending on circumstances, but really within the next year and a half or so, we've planned to implement those changes, and, and they can be implemented. I'm so grateful to our pastors and parish leaders for the tremendous amount of work that's been done so far rooted in prayer, taking note of the, the realities, but really filled with hope for how we can live and share our faith in the, the communities of various types and sizes all across the archdiocese. In some ways, the work we've been doing has been challenging, but I would say the work that we're beginning now is more challenging, but really more hopeful. We're looking at how we can move in our parishes to become what we're calling missional communities communities of faith that are strong internally, but oriented outward so that we can fulfill the commission of Jesus and participate in what it means to be a disciple truly. We know that being a disciple of Jesus Christ has two major aspects. One is that we're close to the Lord himself and that we have a deep relationship with him. I would say for all of us, you know, there's a, a deeper relationship with the Lord awaiting us than the one we have so far. So in, you know, the 240,000 of us Catholics across the Archdiocese, we're all, we're all over the map, not just geographically, but also in terms of where we are with the Lord. But we know he's with us. And we know that he desires that we experience a deeper relationship with him, a deeper experience of his mercy, of his healing. So that's awaiting us and that we're going to try to make opportunities for that experience possible, more possible for all of us in, in the church. At the same time, we're going to try to prepare ourselves, train ourselves through prayer and, and other ways to become missionary disciples. It's the other aspect of discipleship. We're close to the Lord ourselves, but we also are sent out by him to have an influence. You know, the world we're living in is, has a lot of problems, and there's a lot of lies that are being told about who we are as human persons and what, what the meaning of our life is. We can lament all that. I suppose we should. But lament is in our final spot. We have this unique announcement 
to make to a world that's broken in so many ways. It's an announcement of God's love for us in, in Jesus Christ, an announcement of hope and, and healing, an announcement of mercy. That announcement is given to all of us in the church to make through, through our baptism. It doesn't just depend on, on a few. How are we going to do that, and how will parish life change so that it's a more dynamic experience for us who are already part of it, but also has this outward orientation? I don't have a simple answer to that, but that's rolling up our sleeves. That's out of our next phase of our journey. It's a really exciting one. So at this moment, this Lent and Easter time, we're acknowledging that there are some losses involved in the changes that we're making, and some parish communities are feeling that more acutely than others are depending on their size, their location. But the folks that are being asked to make sacrifices for this journey, that they're part of us. We're all in this together. It's important that we are. So it's important that we pray for their strength and peace as we move forward. It's important to pray that we can share in some of the courage that they're already showing, that they're already demonstrating. Because as I say, this is a, this is a challenge for us, no matter the size of our parish, no matter the place where we live. The simple truth is the gap between the number of people who claim to be Catholic, I'm glad they do, and, and those who are, are participating actively in the life of the church, that continues to widen. And it doesn't matter if our parish is, is huge or small, it's a reality every place. So anyway, I'm going to babbling on here, but just repeat how grateful I am to God for his grace, to the Holy Spirit, for the guidance that, that we've been receiving so grateful to our pastors, deacons, parish leaders, others who are just really invested in, in this journey for the, the way we've come so far. And then I'm really filled with hope in the Lord and I really the confidence we have in one another that there are many rich experiences awaiting us in, in the months and in the years ahead. What's so impressive about the Archdiocese of Omaha, if you don't mind me saying this, Archbishop, is that this was not taken as an institutional response, but more of a family response to the given situation. So it is fueled, as you said, with that prayer. And even though some of the conversations had to address some really difficult and challenging issues, it was warmed, if we could say, by the Holy Spirit's presence and the presence of Christ himself, just because we're two or more gathered. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I'm conscious of the fact of not wanting to be simply a manager of decline or, or a management of manager of shifting populations or demographics or whatever that we have to deal with, deal with those, those realities. But we're incorporated into the living body of Jesus Christ. We're, we're members of God's holy people, redeemed by Jesus. And so the work that we're doing together, the prayer that we make together, the learning, the reflecting together, it's all animated by grace. And it has a, it has a purpose beyond this world. It it's, has an important purpose here too, of course, but it is important that we keep that in mind. And I think it's been bringing parishes together and families was an inspired move, I think. Thanks be to God. It is a, a source of strength for us, really, if we'll take advantage of it. It's a reminder that we're part of something larger, our parish is not a congregation unto itself. It has to rise or fall on its own and really fall if we're just on our own. And in um, communities where parishes are, have been required to come together because of fewer priests, mass schedules, because of distances and so forth, already people are beginning to realize that they're part of a larger community where there's a multiplicity of gifts of the Holy Spirit, a gift that may not be 
president in this community, maybe president in this community down the road. And as we come together, we find a, a richness, we find a fuller expression of the body of Christ at, a, at Mass where the church is more full. It might mean that people have to come together from a couple of different communities where that happens. There's some sacrifice to do that, but ultimately it's not a negative. It's a, that coming together is a loss. It's part of our nature in Christ to, to, to meet him, to grow in him, to preach him in the context of a community. And the richer that community, the more generous that community, the greater the flowering of the faith, I'm, I'm confident. Yeah, I'm really struck by the charism of solidarity. And I've heard it expressed, we don't move forward unless we all move forward. And it just as an example of that, in this particular, in the journey of faith, there will be rural communities that are affected in ways that they probably never expected. You know those communities. You've celebrated the Mass. You've been there for confirmations. Their communities, outside of even their parish community, the size of their communities have begun to decrease as well. So this is actually a gathering up, isn't it, in some ways of those those smaller cities, municipalities, those types of things where their people won't be so much isolated because the church brings them together. It's the hope. You know, I, I'm confident that that can be the experience. It takes some time. You know, we need to get to know each other and, and getting to know each other, we have to grow in trust of one another. And that's, it's a human need, we might say, but it's aided by grace in this case. It is important as we continue this journey that we do it together, as, as you said, and that we, that we don't lose anyone along the way. I think that's the fear when there's a change in mass time and mass location, change in the you know the way parishes are administrated and and so forth that people get left behind. So when we express that fear, that's also an invitation I think for us to make sure that it doesn't happen. It would be important that whoever whatever your parish is that it be known for not leaving anybody behind, that it, that your parish be sort of famous we might say for making sure that the older people get to church or that they get to the doctor or that they get to the chicken dinner or, or whatever it is that nobody gets left out. Or if, if people are homebound, that the parishioners, any of the baptized, organize themselves to, to make sure that people are visited and that they know that they're valued members of the of the parish. That applies to elderly or homebound. But, but we think then of, of our neighbors who don't have a connection to the parish, or maybe that's a loose connection by now, that we notice them too and think of ways to reach out respectfully them too, to invite them to take a step. We all start from where we are, so that to take, a, take the first step in the direction of, of the Lord and of life in Him. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. The Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. 
Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. That uh, leads us to missional communities, because even in just first taking care of those within our own family, parish families, that is a bright light for others to see by responding and caring for own brothers and sisters it makes it easier, doesn't it, for us to respond to those who may, as you just said, are outside of what we have been used to in our smaller communities. Yeah, it's beautiful if people can see it, but we have to make sure they can, you know. So often, you know, even the most active parish, the big parish, we can experience parish life as kind of a circle. So it, it's a very rich circle, but it's easily turned in on itself. A lot of activities, perhaps, for the people who want to take advantage of them, sometimes not many do. But those things are all, all on offer. But is it possible for somebody to get into the circle who isn't in it yet? And do they see a way in? Would they feel invited? Would they feel welcome? And then what's the way out? For those of us who, who are being strengthened by the life of the sacraments and by the life of the community that we enjoy together, do we see that there's an important part of life for us outside the circle so that it opens up somehow for people both to come in and, and go out? It's a different way of of looking at parish life, which doesn't mean to, to pass a judgment on how we've been doing things up until now. We found, we have a firm foundation. It's part of the beauty of this archdiocese. The, the faith runs very deep. People are very generous and, and faith-filled, but fewer, <laughs> fewer all the time. And I think we all have a particular for the generation that's now coming into adulthood and who are already, already young adults. Because in the current circumstances, and some of it's to do with the culture, a variety of other things, culture it takes in a lot of aspects of, of life. But as might have happened when I was a kid, back before the turn of the century, the faith is, is simply not passing from one generation to the next, even in spite of, of really good efforts in the ways that it did before. So the, the way we were used to, to doing that and having it happen, it's, it has some effectiveness. So it's not totally without effect, but it's not by and large, you know, as effective as, as it once was. So we see that. We don't have a simple answer. Again, we can lament what's happening in the lives of younger people, or we can think how much Jesus loves them, 
and ask ourselves, what's Jesus offering me in terms of my life, not simply for myself, but for the for the sake of these other people close by who Jesus loves. In many cases, we love them personally because they're members of our family or our circle of friends. You know, I find it interesting, really quite wonderful, that at this same time that this implementation, as it were, of our journey of faith experience here in the Archdiocese, it's coinciding at the same time with the Eucharistic revival. And much of what you are saying right now, it has such a Eucharistic feel to it as far as the the prayer and our growing closer in our encounter with Christ, but then also going out and being sent. That's, you're right. It's providential that the Eucharistic revival that's going on all over the country harmonizes with what we're doing and vice versa. The Eucharist is at the heart of our Catholic faith. And it's the in some ways, it's the best thing about being Catholic. You know, without the, the church, there's no Eucharist. And without the Eucharist, there, there's no church. So it, that's true universally, but it's also true in the local experience of the church in, a, in our parishes. Right now, many of our people in the urban areas and in, in rural communities will be asked to participate in Mass with a reduced number of options, we might say, on a given weekend. Our faith tells us that you know, we encounter Jesus really present in the Eucharist, that he comes to be with us, and we get to be with him. He becomes part of us. We become part of him. But, and then he does send us out, as, as you said. If that really is our faith, then we're willing to make sacrifices to be there, to participate. Maybe it's a time that is different from what we're used to. Maybe there's some inconvenience with that. Convenience is not a gospel value, really. I'm not embarrassed at all to ask myself first, but to ask others to make a sacrifice to participate in the Mass week by week. We don't want to make it unreasonably difficult for people just to have it be difficult. But it becomes more challenging now for us, and we, I think, are up to the challenge. The sad fact is that you know, on a given weekend, about a quarter of the Catholics are participating in Mass, even though in many places it's celebrated almost every hour. And, you know, you turn in any direction and within five or 10 minutes, you can be at the celebration of the Mass. So it can make it as convenient as you want. That, that's real, I think, is not our issue really right now. It does have something to do with faith and preaching the truth of the presence of Christ in, in the Eucharist is not going to take root if we haven't first preached Christ himself in his presence among us, the Son of God sent into the world. And if we don't preach him as, as crucified and risen, if we haven't really come to know him and to believe in him as the Son of God, it's not going to make much difference where Mass is celebrated or how convenient it is. Because if we don't care about Jesus, we're not going to care about the Mass. We do a number of things together, you know, so we can't go right back to the beginning. But our efforts at evangelization are really foundational for a growth and an appreciation of the, the Holy Eucharist. When you cite the number of the 24% are only participating in the Mass in the United States, Catholics, that corresponds with many other Christian denominations, Protestant denominations. It's not necessarily a Catholic thing. Can I, I say that in all due respect? Yeah, it's cold comfort though, isn't it? But it's good to bring it up because it does point to a sort of a larger cultural trend right now, which is not a happy one, but it's the country that we're living in. What that means is that there are more and more people around us who are living without God in their life in any effective way. We know that's not absolutely true. God is in our life because we're, we're living. We're being created at this very moment and he loves each of us. So, you know, God is here animating us and, and all around us. But 
what I mean is the conscious knowledge of the presence of God and the desire to know God, to serve God, all the really basic aspects of what we mean when we say faith. God's offering a relationship to us and we're acknowledging that God exists and that we do want to believe in God and put our faith in, in him. Well, this complicates our life in all kinds of ways that the lack of belief in God, you know, as we try to live together in a democratic society and try to govern ourselves according to some norms without faith in God, even in some sort of vague way, the norms don't exist. We have to make them up and then they seem changeable and, and unpredictable. And we tend then to rely on, on human wisdom and human power only and not on the sovereignty of God and on the plan of God. The work that we do to build up the life of the church and to evangelize our brothers and sisters is good for the church, it's good for the people in the church, but it's good for the whole culture. It's what Jesus has in mind when he tells us we're the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth, we're like yeast. We may feel like we're small and maybe being overwhelmed by life around us and by forces that aren't godly, but we are set out, animated by the Holy Spirit, and we can have have an effect for the announcement and the realization of the kingdom of God in our time. As we've discussed this, this is the opportunity now for the church and its parishes in particular, the pastor and the people of that community, find that path forward in these new times. And that has been something you have greatly encouraged every priest and their communities, their lay members, their deacons, to come up with a path forward and think in a new renewed way. And we're trying to provide some resources to help people imagine this. It's a little different in each parish, as you can imagine. We're calling it a path of discipleship. When I was reading the planning templates from the families and parishes, was one of the encouragements that I sent back to almost everybody, that most of the families did great work on the structural things, or at least beginning to make plans for how parishes are administered, how they work together, and so forth. There's more work to do on that, but we kind of see the way forward most places, but for those management aspects. But then what about our growth in faith? What about the path forward for those of us who already know the Lord and have, have life in him? And then for those who will invite to join us up on the journey. As I said before, everybody begins where they are. And so what's the first step that people can take? How can we help them, our neighbors, see what the Lord is offering them and to begin to taste it and participate in, in the life of faith? How can those of us who have been on the path a while see that the Lord still is inviting us forward as more for us? I'd like to think that it's possible for each parish to begin to outline what we're calling a clear path of, of discipleship, not just a bunch of activities that we throw together and, and that people can pick from, but uh, much as we try to prepare a couple for marriage or try to prepare someone who's called to the priesthood or consecrated life to grow in the knowledge of what's being offered and then to begin to live in, in a new way, to put on Christ in a, a new way, a more profound way perhaps, and then walk in that path that invites us to grow, not simply to attend or to participate or, or even worse, just to observe. It's really not the life of faith isn't for spectators. We're on a journey and, and yet we're not used to thinking so, so much in, in those terms. So that's why it's important for us as parishes and as an archdiocese to think, well, what would that look like? Practically speaking, you know, if, for example, let me just give an example. If in a parish where there's a school, Catholic school, our schools are excellent. I'm so proud of them. But in the school, as we see in, in other places in the church, the majority of the families that are participating in the life of the school are not participating any 
in any other way in, in the life of the parish. So um, there's, they don't have an active sacramental life, active worship life. Well, we know we know who they are. We know these folks are our neighbors, our friends often. So how can how can we invite them to take a step on on the journey? What would that look like? What would that relationship with them have to be in order for them to see that it would really be good for them to come in more actively to the life of, of the parish for their own sake, for their for their kids, for the gifts that they bring to the rest of the parish community? So I think there's a way to to train ourselves train some members of the parish to, to do that, to make to establish those relationships, make those invitations. Not just that group, there's other possibilities too. I think, as I said, it's a it's a change of thinking in some ways. It's a developing of, of some skills, which are really simple human skills, animated by grace, to issue an invitation to um, to someone else. We're having already a really great experience in small groups across the archdiocese. So for several years, we've had a experience during Lent called Live Lent Together. There are other small groups, Bible study groups, and other alms groups, men's groups, discussion groups that exist within parishes. And more and more I'm beginning to see that it's in that context where faith will be awakened for our friends, for, for our neighbors, through the friendship that the disciples of Jesus offer to them and through the invitation to share life together in some simple ways. Jesus wants us to be in relation with other disciples to have fellowship. Grace builds on the, those very natural relationships. We're impatient and really have had the experience, of those of us who are older, of many big programs in the church being implemented and being somewhat effective, you know. But we're not at that place right now. And so I think we have to begin to imagine something small to start with, or many small things at once, number of groups in, in a parish, where an experience of friendship, of grace, of inquiry, of acceptance, all of those things that, that are we long for can be experienced, and then grace can help turn that into a, a spark of, of faith. Yeah, again, it's very much a family, because every family has all the different generational aspects to it, and the need to be able to come together. Because how many of us have experienced our families, maybe a patriarch has passed away, or you know the grandmother or the mom, or someone is missing now, and then all of a sudden it starts to splinter apart, and we don't have the discipline in families to come back together and have those reunions. The reunions of the parish family happen every Sunday, don't they? They do, and it's the mission of Jesus, to put it simply, is communion, and that's not an accident that we use this word communion for the central experience of the of the Mass, where we encounter Jesus, he encounters us in, in the reception of the Holy Eucharist. On the other hand, the work of the devil is division and isolation. Wherever we experience what you described, the splintering, the pushing away, the, a sense of not belonging or communicating to others that you, you don't belong or you're not part of us, that really is the work of the devil. That's not the Lord's work. And so we've had to resist some of that, you know, and frankly, in our as we bring our parishes together and families, because we've often found part of our identity in saying we're not them, <laughs> or you know we're proud of who we are over here, whether it's our parish or our, or our town, and that's not evil, but it's not enough. And if we land there and stay there, that's not the life that is envisioned for us by the Lord, and it's not going to create the energy to take the light of the gospel out and in, out into the world. The Archdiocese has provided some wonderful insights, information that can be available to folks at archomaha.org. And in 
the information that's passed on, there's an honest assessment of the number of priests. And one of the reasons why we have to take this journey is because the ability for priests to be ever-present at every parish that's been established, well, it just can't happen, can it? can't happen in the same way that it, that it has in the past. But we should be on this journey of faith anyway. So if we, even if we had three times as many priests, we might not have to make some of the structural changes. But again, reading the signs of the times in the light of the reality that we're, that we're now experiencing, we need to be renewed in an understanding of what it means to be a missionary disciple to be close to the Lord ourselves, but to be determined and equipped to have an effect on on the world around us. You know, I think there are about 70 million Catholics in the United States. Our country's in a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of division, a lot of lack of respect, a lot of lack of hope in all kinds of ways, not just in politics, but in other places. 70 million followers of Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church, not to mention others who are baptized, we should be able to turn this all around. We should be having a big and a noticeable impact, and we're not. And so we're we're not doing what the Lord has asked us to do. He's not asked us to be successful or to win, you know, to be the dominant party or anything like that. But the discouragement, the division, the lack of hope, especially among many young people, we have a gift to bring into that situation. And in many cases, we're not bringing it. Certainly, it's often not being seen or felt like it can be accepted. So, okay, that's kind of a sober assessment, but we have what we need. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Paschal Mystery. We have the Eucharist. We have the, have the other sacraments. We have, have what we need to do what the Lord's asking us to do. So we, as I, back to where I started, we should be on this journey. In any case, the Second Vatican Council urged every baptized person to take hold of the gifts of, this, of the Spirit that are given to each of us. They're given to us for ourselves, but also for the good of the church, and then to have an impact in, in the workplace, in the family, in school, in the neighborhood. And that's always been our our responsibility. And I think we're seeing it more clearly now, and and I hope that we can accept the grace to carry it out. Well, as we have discussed in the past from the Vatican II, from the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, we'll hear that the Eucharist, the liturgy is the source and the summit, and it is the place where the Church receives all of her power. I'm paraphrasing that, of course, but that power can do remarkable things. And the fact that it's once again, the Great Revival is happening during this period. Wow, what a what a launching pad we have here in the Archdiocese of Omaha. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the Journey of Faith part of the Arch Omaha website. Is, there's important resources there, but also the Eucharistic Revival, that website. And there's some links to it on, on our own, but there, there are many resources there for individuals and for, and for parishes that, that can be very helpful on our Journey of Faith uh, to help us keep the Eucharist at the center of who we are and, and what we do and to understand more deeply the, the mystery of the death and resurrection of Jesus that we're drawn into as, as we celebrate the Eucharist. Well, Archbishop Lucas, we're on a journey. We're not done yet. There's going to be more as we continue to travel towards uh, wherever it is that the Lord is going to be bringing us to soon. But any final thoughts for this particular conversation? I'm happy to be able to, to discuss this. We might get tired on the journey, but let's not give up and let's not lose anybody. So, you know, we keep our eye on those who might be tired or discouraged, not so that we can beat them or berate them or anything else, but so that we can stop and, and see what's the need. How can we be of help so that we, we do move forward together? But it's important that we move forward. Just because it's hard, we can't say, well, look, look we're not going to do it. Again, this is the commission of Jesus from the very beginning to his first disciples. It's the the spirit of the of the Acts of the Apostles. It's the it's right at the heart of the Second Vatican Council. So, so this really is our life and our and our mission. And we have 
everything we need. We're figuring out together how to use these graces, and we may make a mistake here along the way, here and there, but it won't be a huge one. And we can learn. We can learn as we go, learn from one another. We have many resources to share from the Archdiocese, but I have a lot to learn myself, as we all do, from one another. The Holy Spirit is working in everybody, and I find great excitement in that truth. And be open. Be not afraid, too, right? Thank you so much, Archbishop Lucas. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.